is passionate about cars with Steve Kennard, teaching drivers how to survive the world of modern motoring and imparting wisdom to the next generation of motor technicians. We're doing a car cast today. I'm riding in uh, with Steve in his big black thing. What is his big black thing, Steve? Uh, this, this is the workshop L200. L200, it's a crew cab um, pickup. It's it's a very useful sort of vehicle. There's, there's quite a few of them about. Um, they're very sort of robust, take a lot of stick. Extremely good with all the snow and the ice that we had uh, the past couple of winters. Um, can be a bit light on the back when they're empty uh, on the snow so I usually just put like a, one of these sort of builders tubs put a bit of sand grit in the back of it you make your car heavier to make it handle better it, yeah absolutely um, just just to give us uh, um, a little bit more grip uh, on the back end um, and uh, you know I mean you, you mentioned earlier about the two gear sticks um, yeah I, I mean this is what I'd call like an old school four wheel drive where you have a second stick there which is for the um, four wheel high and low ratios mm. um, and uh, put it into low ratio, four wheel drive, lock the diffs up and it'll pull just about anything even though it's only a two and a half litre diesel turbo diesel engine um, got an extreme amount of torque for the size of engine which makes them quite useful um, and uh, and it's extremely good for the garage you know it's got the pickup body on the back so use it for running around for picking up bits and pieces it's got the yeah. crew cab so you can use it like a car and it's Mitsubishi isn't it it is it Mitsubishi. yeah yeah it's a Mitsubishi um, and uh, I, I've just had to put a couple of springs on the back um, both springs on the back I broke I mean they're leaf spring it's got a leaf spring arrangement uh, as opposed to a coil spring uh, very old fashioned then yeah, but um, again, I mean, most most commercial vehicles would have a leaf spring uh, configuration rather than coil spring configuration. Um, but uh, they're still susceptible to breakages. Um, coil springs, we we probably change three or four a week on various cars, um, primarily because of the road conditions. Now, I mean, we're all aware of, of the state of the roads in this country. Uh, the lack of investment over the years and um, and it's only the motorists and the cars that constantly suffer uh, yeah. that of course along with the uh, what we call the sleeping policemen uh, traffic humps um, the councillors call it traffic calming I don't, I don't know you know I don't know where the calming bit comes in I, I find it more uh, tend, tend to make you more irate you know and stressed out um, with all these lumps and bumps everywhere but of course it, it takes a toll on the cars yeah now um i wanted to talk about um uh, uh sort of like where you get your car fixed uh, steve because we've just been at breakfast club and uh, you were talking about uh, this european directive about uh, that you don't have to take your car to a main dealer to keep the warranty yeah well it's, it's actually not a new directive this has been around now for um Oh, it's about eight years, eight years, nine. I've I've mentioned it before at um, the, the breakfast club that I go to, and um, uh, a lot of people still are unaware that um, you know warranties on cars. You when you buy a car from a dealer, um, you get it with a two, three, five, seven, ten-year warranty, whoever the dealer is, um, and a lot of people are under the. Uh, 
um, impression that they have to take the car back to the dealer for any sort of repairs and servicing in order to keep the warranty in force, not to void the warranty. But, um, you know, that, uh, that was frowned upon by um, Europe. Um, and uh, as I say, about eight years ago, they decided that um, it was uh, unfair trading practice uh, and said that the repairs could be done at any in this country uh, a VAT registered garage um, you know it's they call it a reputable garage um, and I guess if you're that registered they consider you reputable but um, but but that's what that's, that's what it is over here um, provide you're a VAT registered garage um, you carry out the repairs and so long as you use original equipment um, then if there is any problems with the vehicle um, then um, they, they cannot void the warranty they have to honor the warranties um, you know even though the car doesn't go back to the dealers for main you know servicing uh, repairs um, because of course you know the, the dealer labor rates uh, um, I guess on an average um, double to what uh, the independence rates are so uh, and particularly in this day and age you know where we're, things are tight all round um, you know everyone's watching the pennies um, looking to have a little bit of a cutback here and there um, and that that's one area that um, you know that, that people can can do if you're still using a, a main dealer for servicing thinking that you've got to take it there or being misinformed that you've got to take it there to keep the warranty in force um, then don't don't be um, misled you do not have to you can take it to an independent do you think it's it's like most people still think then that uh, you have to take it to the uh, to the dealer yeah I, I, I do I mean um, having spoken to various people I mean obviously we're an independent uh, vehicle repair workshop um, and uh, you know, we talked to various people about the motor trade and, and repairs and, uh, you know, you could be standing in a pub, <coughs> excuse me, standing in a pub um, having a drink and you generally get chatting about whatever and and quite often it will come round to cars because most people have got cars and it's a topic of conversation. Um, and, uh, and it is surprising how many people are not aware um, of their rights when it comes to servicing um, they still feel and still believe that they have to take it to the dealer um, and uh, and also um, it's surprising how many people think they get a better service by taking it to the dealer um, you know that that again I, I would sort of challenge that um, you need to find a good independent garage somebody that knows what they're doing um, and uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me, a little bit of a frog. Um, um, someone that knows what they're doing and um, you know is, um, is is quite capable of carrying out the, the servicing and repairs to manufacturer's standards. Um, and I, I'm sure I've mentioned before that we use uh, the Auto Data system, which uh, we yeah, tend. Yeah, we, we tend to service the cars according to the usage and the mileage that the car's done, rather than six monthly servicing or 12 monthly servicing. Um, this is all down to usage, 
um, which which makes sense. You know, if a car does five thousand a year, it stands to reason it doesn't need the same level of servicing that a car that's doing thirty or forty thousand a year. Mm. Um, so so we we do go by the auto data system, and um, you know um, we we service the cars correctly according to manufacturers uh, laid down. Um, you know, sort of rules and regulations. Just make sure that the car is correctly maintained. I'll tell you what would be really cool, what would be really interesting is, I know for a fact, because now we're looking at our stats properly, <laughs> I know for a fact that a lot of our listeners are actually from the United States of America, across the pond. What would be really cool is, is what's it like over in America? Do you have this same sort of um, uh, idea that you have to take the car back to the uh, original manufacturer you know, when it goes wrong to get it fixed to keep a warranty? What are the rules over in America? Or if you've got any uh, horror stories about uh, taking your car to a... To sort of um, uh, you know, sort of manufacturer's uh, garage to get it fixed. Is it a lot more expensive than uh, taking it to an independent garage? So uh, go to the website, which is passionate-about-cars.com, and just leave a comment and uh, tell us your experiences. So what are you up to at the uh, in the on the workshop uh, floor at the moment, Steve? Um, well, we, we've been reasonably busy. We've um just had the um, just had to rebuild the top end of a Range Rover. Um, it's got the V8 engine in um, head gaskets gone. Um, we've uh, got a Renault Megane in there um, with uh, low compressions uh, on all four cylinders. Two of them have got next to nothing. Uh, pulled it apart. All the valves are just not seating. The uh, valve seats are sort of pitted burnt um so it's a case of having the, the valve seats recut and put a new set of valves in yeah. you know without compressions the engines are pretty useless what causes that steve is it just gradually distort or does it sort of wear away over time yeah I, well i mean if you if you imagine every time an engine fires um when, when it, we say it fires it sparks up ignites inside the cylinder that, that's a small explosion yeah um you know, and and that happens uh, an incredible amount of times uh, every, every minute, um, depending on what rev range you're doing. Um, so, so all those little explosions going on, all that heat, um, it's got to have a little bit of an effect somewhere. And after a period of time, it will tend to burn away the valve seats, uh, distort them, pits them up. Um, and, and again, sometimes this can be down to the type of fuel used. You know, if you get certain sort of, um, if you get the incorrect octane, you know, over here we just have sort of standard unleaded and super unleaded. Um, you know, if, if the octane rating's not right for the car, you'll get what they call um, pinking detonation, which means it, it's tending to fire or spark up a little bit sooner so so the fuel mixture will ignite um, a lot quicker um, which knocks the timing out so you get this sure. pinking effect which what does it is, sound like pinking pinking um, usually if, if you put your foot down um, as you accelerate away particularly accelerating hard or, or uphill mm. where you're putting the engine under load mm. you get this Sound. It sounds a little bit like uh, someone rattling uh, ball bearings inside a tin. A bit like a, what I call a tractory sound. A sort of like a, a bit like a knocking. It's 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 more of a um, as I say. I, I would describe it more like 
ball bearings being rattled inside a tin. It, mm, it's okay. a real sort of rattly I type think, of I think sound. My car does that. Uh, but it does it normally all the time anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, on the older cars, you can you can ease that by just retarding the ignition a little bit, you know, just getting it to fire slightly later. Um, Modern-day cars, this is all done electronically um, by crank sensors, cam sensors, uh, ECU setups. Um, it's all done automatically. On the older cars, we used to use the old timing light, um, and uh, you can just turn the distributor one way or the other just to uh, advance or retard the ignition good old days yeah i yeah. i mean they, they were quite easy quite simple yeah. um but but they needed constant um you know constant sort of care and attention uh, i mean i've i've still got a timing light you know i mean i got it out the uh out my toolbox last week because um, we had a um god i can't even remember what we had in last week now um uh a pr- mine's gone having having a senior moment here but <laughs> but anyway I, I'd had to ah oh, Morris Traveller the old Morris oh, Morris right. Thousand Traveller yeah I I, I was sort of uh, saying to the guys that, that that's actually what I passed my test in um, back in 73 mm. um, the old Morris Thousand Traveller and we had one in just, just to do a, a little bit of a tweak and a tune up wasn't quite running right um but of course, you can adjust the carburetors, adjust the mixture, mm. adjust the timing, the points, and um, just just have a little tweak up with them. And uh, and I got the timing light out to uh, to do that. And of course, you know the, the younger guys in the workshop don't see the timing light very often because we don't we don't use them on the modern day. Is that a stroboscopic type thing? It is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, every you time. Those. Yeah, every time it sparks, that's when it's um, igniting that particular cylinder. And. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I had to blow the dust off of it, but we could use that as a training tool to educate your your, your young technicians. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean that's that's all well and good, but of course the old classic cars are getting a bit fewer and further between. And um, normally any of the classic cars come in, uh, I would usually end up getting them as as being like let's say that the senior member. Um, and uh, and apart from that, you know, when you sort of show the youngsters like the the old sort of distributor types and um, the old carburetors where you can actually adjust mixtures and mm. adjust timing and mm. have to reset points and things, then, you know, they sort of look at it as if it's totally foreign, you know. Yeah, so. sure. Well, we better get out as we've stopped. Yeah. Checking mirrors. Yeah, yeah. Mirror, mirror yeah, signal. Mirror signal, there. open yeah. door. That's it. <laughs> right, I'd love to leave you, Steve. Thanks for talking to us. And okay. uh, don't forget, people... Come to First Class Garage in Kemptown, Brighton for all your motoring needs and speak to Mr. Steve. Okay, cheers, Andy. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Passionate About Cars. Visit the podcast website at passionate-about-cars.com and Steve's excellent garage, First Class Garage, can be found at www.1stclassgarage.com dot co dot uk